The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today. As, as we jump back in as a church to the Gospel of Luke, we are coming off an amazing weekend. We had Easter celebrations at both of our campuses. And if you were able to make one of those, I'm, I'm thrilled you were there. If you were not, I just want you to know that we're going to continue to meet here in person. But our hope is that the, the joy that comes from knowing the Lord, the joy of his salvation, that it will just spill out coming out of last weekend, that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that you are known. And, and I'm just thrilled that you're here listening to this wherever you're at. We're jumping back into Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. But before we do that, Jesus is going to speak a few words here. He is in Judea. It's roughly six months from him going to the cross. And these words are profound. They are words to help us make sure we are ready. Ready for what is a little bit of a discussion. At this point in his ministry, I think Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection, not necessarily his second coming. But, but what we're going to do is we're going to read a few verses out of Luke, and then we're going to jump to the gospel of Matthew, and we're going to see the exact same language. You'll see it with me. We're going to see the exact same language when Jesus says, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that you are ready for my return, my second return. After I die, after I'm buried, after I raise from the dead, I'm going to go be at the right hand of my father. And when I come back, I want to make sure you're ready for that. I don't want to catch anyone off guard. I want to give you all the warning necessary to be ready for my return. So this idea, this idea, church, of being ready, that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's look at our passage first. Three times in our passage, Jesus says, be ready. And you can allude to many other times that he's saying it. But here we go. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. Be dressed. Be ready, be ready for the service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose masters finds them watching when he comes alert, ready. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve and he will have them recline at the table and he will come and he will wait on them. It will be good. It will be very good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak, that's, that's way out there. Understand this. The owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming. He would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him be ready. That's what's saying. Here, here's the question that kind of governs this. On the tail end of what Jesus had just said previously in the gospel of Luke, he said, don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live, how you're going to dress yourself. Don't worry about that. I've got you. I've got you. He then immediately piggybacks on that and says, oh, and by the way, live with an eternal perspective. And so I ask you today, church, do you live each day? Do you live with an eternal perspective? 
knowing that this life is short and the next one is eternal, knowing that this life has its struggles and its trials, and I'm not trying to minimize those at all, but do you know that this life has with it very little of your eternity? It really just comes down to whether or not at the end of this life, whether you breathe your last breath or Jesus returns, at the end of this life, are you ready? Are you ready to go meet your eternal father? Are you ready because you placed your faith in him? Are you ready for eternity? That's what Jesus wants to know. And on the last week of his life, in what's called the Olivet Discourse, he will preach a sermon that's full of parables. He loves to preach in parables, stories that tell us a truth. He will preach a sermon on that day about the end, the end times, okay? He will preach that message to a humongous group of people. And he will use much of this same language from Luke. And luckily, Matthew records it. It's in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 5. And we'll, we'll see more. But I want you to hear the same language. And as we're reading it together, I want you to continually ask yourself, are you ready? Are you ready? Matthew 25, 1 through 5. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins. That simply means young girls, okay? Don't get caught up on that. Simply means young girls. It'll be like 10 young girls who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, you see the parallel language there? Five of them, five of the 10 were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. So they took a lamp, it had some oil in it, but once they lit the lamp, that oil was extinguished quickly. Okay, they didn't take any extra oil. Verse four, the wise ones, however, the wise ones, they took oil in jars along with their lamps. Verse five, the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all, all 10 of them, became drowsy and fell asleep. This parable is spoken by Jesus to his listeners in hopes that they would ready themselves for his, for Jesus' return from heaven. After his ascension, resurrection, he would return. That's what this is for. The whole reason for this story is to warn all of us to be ready. And I know messages like this kind of start to trip people out. Oh, Todd, I... I, don't, I mean, I don't want to think about that right now. I, I just want to, I want to walk with God. I want to love my family. I want to go to work. But no, we need to be ready. These 10 young girls, they represent mankind. They are the wedding party. Now, for us, a wedding party is bridesmaids and groomsmen, and, and that's the wedding party. In 2,000 years ago, weddings were a little different. The groom actually dictated everything. The groom dictated the time, the place. When he was ready, it started. There were attendants, servants, who would usher him down the aisle to his bride that was waiting there for who knows how long. And that's what's happening here. Now, that 10-person wedding party had one job. They were to escort the groom whenever he decided to go. That was their jobs. Their lamps were customary, even for daytime weddings. Why? They had to be ready to let the reception go well into the night. And oftentimes, 
wedding receptions lasted days. So they were the servants to make sure that there was enough light available for the banquet, the festivity. The reason we go to weddings is for the reception. It was no different 2,000 years ago. Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. In this parable, it is important to distinguish the numerical breakdown does not matter. This is not Jesus saying 50% of humanity will make it into heaven. Okay, that's not what he's saying. And I don't want to be a pessimist. But I I would guess that number is actually even lower. Because Jesus himself says it's a narrow path to heaven. It's those who are faithful and obedient, those who are ready. And when I look at the world, I, I just don't know how many are ready. And that's our job, the job of the church, to make sure people are ready. Being ready doesn't mean you have to cease life. doesn't mean you just have to look up into the clouds going, okay, Jesus, when are you going to come back? I, I, I'm, I'm ready now. I, I, I'm ready now. I, I'm not ready now. Don't come back now. It doesn't mean you cease life. It just means that if you're wise, if you're like one of the five wise young girls, you're just ready. You, you have the provision of oil that means you are ready whenever, whenever he decides to return. Now, Jesus tells us that it's going to be a while. There have been many people throughout the years who have tried to pinpoint his return, and they've all been obviously proven wrong. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for this long delay, if you will. Second Peter verse, or chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says this. Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. But then a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, his promise to return and come back and restore all things. He's not slow in that. As some understand slowness, he's actually being patient with you. Why? Because he's not wanting anyone to perish. Instead, he wants everyone to be ready. He wants everyone to come to repentance. But there will come a time. There there will come a time when a trumpet sounds and the heavens part and Jesus returns. And in his parable, Matthew 25, verse 6, he says this, at midnight, the most unexpected time, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it says that his ultimate return will be similar to that. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God. I've been 41 years on this earth. About half of them, I've walked with the Lord. And I've always wondered, always wondered in that moment when I hear that trumpet sound, when I look to the heavens and I see the clouds part, what will my response be? And, And I can't know that. But here's what I can know. Here's what I can control. Will I be ready for it? Will it be the most joyous sound ever? Or will it be the most horrifying Oh God, yes, thank you. Come back. I'm I'm ready. Or 
Oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 not now, not right now. I, I had a plan. It, we were going to fix this next week, I promise. Matthew 25, verses 7 through 9. Then all the virgins, the young girls, they woke up and they trimmed their lamps. So this is, this is the best part. Here's what they all did, okay? There were foolish and wise ones together. They all woke up and started to clean off the outside of their lamp. They wanted to make themselves presentable before the Lord in the last moment. Okay, they, they all wanted to do that. Oh, okay, let's clean this up. Verse eight, the foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Oh, we're not ready. The outside looks clean, but the inside is empty. Empty. So, hey, you brought extra oil. Give me, give me just some, please, right now. Give me some of that. No, verse nine. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. The foolish ones weren't ready. The wise ones were. All of them, when the trumpet sounded, they, they strived to present their best. They strived to clean up their lamps, but some had no oil. They weren't actually ready. In Matthew 25, 8 and 9, again, I, I want you to see this. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there, there may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go and buy some. The foolish ones asked an impossible question. They asked to borrow faith. You see, because that, that oil, that commodity that was so precious in that moment, it can't be borrowed. It can't be stolen. It just has to be present. And that commodity, that oil, that is faith. And the foolish young girls, they ask the impossible question, give us some of your oil. And Jesus isn't teaching selfishness here when they say, no, there may not be enough. He's not teaching, look out for number one. He's showing the impossibility of borrowing faith. The faith of your parents is not enough. The prayers of your friend for your salvation are not enough. It's not enough. The oil of faith must be present. You cannot borrow the Holy Spirit from someone else. You cannot claim someone else's faith as your own obedience. That, that type of transaction cannot occur. You, you, church, you have to be the one today that's ready, that is praying, hoping, trusting, rejoicing, growing, believing in Jesus, living in obedience to him and his word. You, you personally have to be ready. You can't borrow that from someone else. Matthew 25, 10 through 12. 
Shows us how the story ends. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. And half of them were gone. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. Um, Church, that's heaven. Upon the groom's return at his appointed time, they got to go into the banquet, the reception, the party. They got to go into heaven, and the door was shut, verse 11. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. We found it. We, we went now. We, we, we're ready now. We, we went to the store. We got the oil. We're ready now. Let us in. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. You weren't ready when the trumpets sound. You know now that you messed up and you, and you went to honestly try to fix your mistake, but I, I gave you enough time. I was patient. I actually came later than you were thinking. But you weren't ready. Yeah, you've got a lamp. Yeah, you were part of the wedding party. You were, you were part of the group. People knew you. People that are in knew you and thought you were like them. But Jesus will say he never knew you. You never sought life in me. You had a form of religion, but you never cared about what was inside. People looked at you and they assumed you had it all, but you had no life in me. You hadn't put your trust in me. Hey, church, You don't want to hear those words. Those are not the words you want to hear. When the bridegroom comes back to receive his bride, the church, you don't want to hear those words. You, you had everything on the outside looking good. But you didn't have the oil. You didn't have the faith. You didn't have what matters. Matthew 25, verse 13, therefore, I love when Jesus finishes a sermon for me. So here's, here's the conclusion. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. I don't know when that trumpet will sound. I don't know when Jesus will come back to gather his bride, the church. We're already engaged and in the first century, the groom decided when the wedding started, not the mother of the bride like today. He decides it. That phrase, keep watch, means be spiritually awake. Be alive, be alert to Jesus and his Holy Spirit, which he gives you now. Use all the means which God has given you to know him, to love him, and to trust him. Use all of the grace that has been shown to you by him sending his son to die on the cross for you. Use all of that so that you might be alert, awake, alive, filled with his spirit, trusting in who he is. The oil 
that you need for your lamp in this parable is faith. It is faith that leads to joy and hope and obedience in him. If you've got that, you have nothing to worry about. You are ready. But if you don't, if you don't, then you're playing a risky game. Because even if Jesus doesn't return tomorrow, and chances are he won't, but even if he doesn't, this idea of on my deathbed, I'll, I'll make my peace with God, that is a risky, risky wager. Because will God look at your lamp and go, you're just polishing it up now. There's nothing on the inside. You weren't ready. And whether your final breath is today or a thousand years from now, whether Jesus' return is today or 10,000 years from now, I want to make sure that you put your faith in the one who is coming for you who will return in hopes that you will grow deeper in love with him and prepare yourself for a wedding. I, I wanna know, church, are you ready? The wise in this parable, they brought extra oil. They were prepared to wait for as long as it took. It wasn't just a season, it wasn't just a high, it was a relationship with him. Are you ready? He's already asked for your hand in marriage. He knows everything about you. And yet, because of that, still wants to have a relationship with you. That's grace. He still chooses you. He chooses you. The question is, when he comes to take you as his bride and usher you into the reception, the eternal reception in heaven, that will be one no one wants to miss. Will you, will you be ready for him? And my prayer is that today you will. And if there's any way that we as a church can help you better be prepared, summitonline.tv forward slash prayer. Let us know how we can better serve you, how we can better walk with you to make sure that you are ready. Because there's nothing more important there's nothing more important than being ready for that day and making sure that your faith in him is yours and it's real. Father, we thank you for choosing us, choosing us out of our darkness and our sin, choosing to spend eternity with us, choosing to allow us to be in relationship with you. I pray right now that those listening here today who do not know you, who are not prepared, I pray that by your grace, they would be ready. They'd be ready to meet you. Their faith would be their own, given to them by your grace. I pray this in the name of Jesus, for the souls and the hearts and the lives of all of your creation. I ask this for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.